Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Today, we're joined by George Tate and Quentin Hooker, also known as the Golf Doc Duo. Guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. So, guys, I'm really interested to kind of hear the, the story that maybe you guys can share with the listeners, which is regard to maybe kind of a background story as to maybe how you got into the, the, the sport of golf, um, your journey, maybe kind of through high school leading up to playing collegiate golf and obviously kind of where you guys are at now. I know Quentin, you've got some you know, studies that you've got going on and George, uh, you're doing your stuff down in, in uh, Kentucky there, but maybe you guys can kind of just speak on your background stories and, and kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again for having us on. Me and Quentin both grew up in Springfield, Illinois, great town to grow up in. And for me, my grandparents owned a putt-putt golf course. So that, uh, that building was in the same building as my dad's business and we lived across the street at the time. So growing up, there was never a go to daycare. It was always, I go to work with dad and then I go next door to the putt-putt course. So ever since I could walk, I was carrying around a putter. So <laughs> after that, I mean, I obviously got real involved. My grandpa played most of his life along with my aunt who was pretty good. But ever since then, I would just golf is all I did, really. Played in every little tournament I could find around central Illinois. Did the traveling gig and then got into high school, played great in high school. And that ended up leading to a, to a scholarship. So that's, I mean, I've honestly, I played a few other sports growing up. Um, there's nothing wrong with just playing golf or playing a little bit of sports um, when you're young in different categories. But large large majority of it was was only golf. So. Nice. Yeah, and I kind of came into it a little bit differently. I, I, I grew up as a pretty big nerd. You know, I enjoyed sports. I, I absolutely love school, uh, love math and science. Grandpa put a club in my hand when I was 14, so I was kind of late to the game, uh, and I was, I was terrible. I think <laughs> I, I didn't make the team as a freshman. I averaged like 100. And through just love of the game and hard work, got down to the point where at the end of high school, I was, you know, fortunate enough to be averaging just above par and, and get a college scholarship. And undergraduate training was in engineering and mathematics so continued my my nerd focus right <laughs> and uh, really it was uh, just curiosity and mechanics and golf that led me to grad school so I pursued a master's in sports biomechanics from the University of Kentucky I uh, graduated in 2017 and predominantly folks focused on potentially how you can modify one's golf stance so foot angle and stance width to potentially reduce medial compartment knee joint loading uh, so I really got into science through golf and biomechanics. I loved it. A few collaborators on that project kind of led me to WashU, uh, where I'm right now finishing up my doctorate in, in movement science and a master's degree in clinical investigation. But uh, now the work's a little bit more clinically focused, uh, working with people with chronic low back pain. But it's been... I've stepped away from golf in terms of my science endeavors uh, for the past couple of years to be in a PT program and work with chronic low back pain. But uh, it's always golf's always been the first love. So, well, and I think I think I think too. Like your studies has a lot of implications for those who are golfers that deal with you know persistent or chronic low back pain, right? So I think a lot of what you're studying can be uh, definitely transferable to the sport of golf. There's no question about that, right? 
Absolutely. It's uh, a lot of what I'm doing is movement retraining. It's a topic that I think is, is often not discussed in, in when golf, it's more exercise focused. And so we have a few studies on looking at movement retraining versus just standard exercise of physical therapy, strength and flexibility exercise, and then also looking at hip factors and how they contribute to low back pain. So they, they definitely have implications to golf. Uh, that's kind of been in the, in the, the underlying bringing this information into the golf yeah. industry. Yeah, that's, that's great man and obviously once you've finished with your studies and stuff like that we'd love to maybe kind of bring you back on and maybe figure out what you found out right and how that can be a little bit more applicable based on what some of the research is showing there because ultimately like utilizing the best available evidence and what we have you know obviously using your experience too and obviously you guys being both being golfers and playing at the collegiate level I mean that can go a long way in helping you guys figure out how best to help others and I think that's a, a huge reason why we wanted to kind of get you on the show because I think you guys offer a lot of experience not only just from obviously your, your education but just from you playing at the collegiate level and figuring out just the nuances of the sport itself and how best you continue to stay motivated and, and stay at a high level, even as you go through your studies. I mean, that's something that I think a lot of younger athletes, you know, junior golfers, things like that. I think they, they like the idea of playing golf, but once they get into the thick of it, they really feel like, Hey, this is dominating a lot of what I'm doing. And maybe they lose that passion. Right. So um, I guess obviously we'll talk about that a little bit later, but maybe, if you guys can just tell us a little bit more about Golf Doc Duo, right? So obviously this is the power of social media, right? We, we, we connected through social media and here we are talking on a podcast. So maybe you guys can kind of speak on a little bit more about Golf Doc Duo, how that was created and what maybe the message and, and the why behind doing it. Yeah. So, I mean, you're exactly right there. Through social media, we came up with Doc, Golf Doc Duo. So only just uh, one spread interaction to see what other people are doing out there and to kind of survey what other people are doing and what other people are looking for. So as you mentioned earlier, you know, me and Quentin, we grew up playing golf. We continued farther education, but we both know that our fulfillment is going to be coming back around working with golfers in a multitude of different categories. There's performance, there's pain affecting performance. And some of those go back and forth but ultimately that's that's what it is we came together to take what we've learned over the past three years six years combined probably more than that and apply it to helping to helping golfers who don't know what we could potentially do for them and it's just like other healthcare providers as well um you know you talked about golfers and potentially being burnt out once they found out how much they could put into it. Well, you, it's just like anything else. You can put as much as you want into it, but just knowing the other resources out there and people that would love to help you, um, I, I think yeah. you go a long way. So that's, that's a little bit of our why there. Um, Q, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, we, and we both kind of realized that we were approaching the same problem from a different direction. You know, George is heavily focused on the clinical side, seeing patients every day, and I come from the research side. And that's a perfect, marriage in a sense where you take information from two different ways bring it back together and out of all that we've learned through our, our studies we found this gap in golf where we're learning all about pain science and mechanics and exercise but the golf industry's potentially lacking in some of these areas so we thought we could bring some of this information to the forefront in the golf industry in such a unique way with we have science we have clinician uh, and really bring it together yeah I think, I think that's well said I mean I think 
you know, our approach is always like what we call the three, the three headed approach, right? It's uh, best available evidence. It's uh, clinical experience, right? And it's also the, the client or the athlete expectation, right? If you can combine all three of those, then you usually have a, a pretty good understanding or collaboration as to how best to get to a certain point, whatever that is, whether that's playing high, you know, performance golf at the collegiate level professionally, or just, you know, wanting to be able to play with your grandkids on the golf course, or whatever it may be, right? There's a lot of applications that you can do with that. And like you said, the combination of the research and the clinical aspects of that, I mean, it's a great combination. And like, I, like you had mentioned, I think it's sorely lacking in the golf industry and in the golf space for sure. Definitely. So, so let's do this. Let's, um, you know, let's talk a little bit more about your experience, um, you know, playing college golf. Um, I always like to, again, you know, working with a lot of the collegiate athletes that we work with, you know, I think a lot of them speak about the experience of maybe not having some of the stuff that they maybe thought they should have had when they were in college, right? So yeah. maybe kind of just speak about maybe some of the things that you thought as you were going through college, were there certain things from a sports medicine standpoint that were maybe lacking that you thought maybe, you know, looking back at it now, you could definitely obviously maybe kind of fill the void at some point in time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure me and Quentin both have a little bit of a different experience, but some of that's going to be some crossover. Uh, one of the things that comes back to me is just um, the specificity with training. I mean, we had some of the football coaches do our programming and things like that. Great programs for building strength, not really specific to anything that we're trying to accomplish as athletes. Sure. Uh, that's one of the things I had at the top of my list, but a lot of times that and just access, I think, just to other golf professionals willing to help, whether that be each individual communicating with their swing coach with whatever hometown they came from. I'm just keeping that relationship consistent. But the, the main thing is just specific training that I saw lacking. And I was in a D1 program, so – um, it's not unfortunately that's not um, exclusive to to just your school right I think we see that a lot yeah. where, you know we talk about that a lot where a lot of times coaches will just use their own experience with training right and then apply it to whatever sport that is and obviously we all know the demands and um, you know the stresses that the the swing put on the body and if the body isn't well prepared for that then you start to see some of these nagging things kind of start to kind of creep up so how about you Quentin what do you got I would say mine would be more on the time management side. I became a decent golfer just through grinding. Like I, if there was eight hours of daylight left after school, I was out there because um, I loved it. But the problem is, is that you can't always do that. You know, right. you prioritize your time. And then I found myself in a situation, some difficult semesters, double major in engineering and mathematics and trying to play the best golf that I could and also trying to train. And I really struggled with how do I prioritize my time, make sure I'm sleeping and at the same time, bring all of that together. And I didn't really have any resources. Looking back, uh, I don't think I could work any harder, uh, but I could have definitely worked smarter and prioritized my time to this specific training, get in in 30 minutes, get what you need out and go. When you're at the course, you know, maybe I'm speaking from the data side because now I'm a scientist, but <laughs> where are the gaps? Is it, is, it, is it chipping and putting? Is the bunker play not, not where it needs to be? What is causing me to shoot X score and how do I improve that? And just focus efforts there opposed to just, you know, practicing for eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now even 
it's probably even worse at this point now with all the distractions that we've got, right? So, you know, young kids, they've got all these different distractions with their phones and school and all these other things. Like, it's just, it becomes even more challenging to, like you said, prioritize what needs to get done versus just wasting your time on social media or wasting your time doing whatever. And what, what's the craze now? It's, it's TikTok, right? It's, it's the, <laughs> the craziest TikTok right now in terms of social media. So I think you're right, Quentin. It's being able to figure out how to prioritize your time, especially when you've got a lot of studies like you were going through and playing, uh, obviously, the sport at a high level. I think your, your story, um, I think, resonates with a lot of people that are hopefully listening to this, to this podcast. So let's do this. Let's transition because, again, all the people that um, are, are golfers always love to know the specs that people are using in their bag, right? So this, uh, this segment we like to call what's in the bag. So, you know, maybe kind of speak to what you guys are using in terms of drivers, irons, wedges, putters. Tell us maybe a little bit about what you got in the bag. So, yeah, I'm uh, – you want to go first, George, or me? No, no, Q's got it. So I'm uh, – I'm, I'm a bit of a gearhead. Like I, I that's, that's been kind of uh, a little bit of a passion on the side, I guess. So um, what I've got in the bag, I've got a TS3, a 85 driver with the Tour AD, uh, AD BB shaft. It was like a, a 2012 graphite design product that I was, I was fit in in college actually and worked with a fitter past um, after college, still competing a little bit and we just can't beat it. So that's what I've got in the bag for the driver. Uh, three wood, I have an M3. Uh, it's like a, more of a four wood, 16 and a half degree loft. It's got a, a VA composites, a Ryzen shaft, so that'd be four five. So it's X flexed. Got a uh, P790 driving iron, uh, hazardous black 105, and uh, a JPX 919 tour irons, five through pitching wedge with a tour V shaft in it, and then uh, some SM7 wedges and uh, a special. Special putter, just I got in a couple months ago. It's from a company called Carbon. Um, they're out of Colorado. And we made this kind of work together on a design that's a tweak of a standard Newport 2 Scotty Cameron and, and changed a little bit of the top line, changed a little bit of the bumpers. Um, like I said, I, I love putters. Uh, so I, <laughs> I couldn't I, tell. Yeah, I, uh, so I have yet to really put that into competition play, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Nice, man. How about you, George? Mine won't be as descriptive as his. <laughs> Usually I, I text him asking, well, I've been for the last couple months texting him, hey, is it, when should I get new irons? And he's like watching sales, watching all the size, and he lets me know. But I'm, I'm overdue. I'm more than overdue, and Quentin knows that. But I have the 9, 913 Titleist Woods. He gave me – is that the, the M3 that you gave me to hit? What's in yeah, that? That's the 15 loft. So that was one that I just – Honestly, it wasn't, wasn't going high enough for me for what I was looking for. So, and I can get that up there. I have a lot more spin than he has on his stuff. But um, AP2's Project S 6.0 shafts, three iron, two pitching wedge, three wedges, 52, 58, 56, and then a little lead tape. So they all have the same swing weights. And then putter, I have a Versa Odyssey with a super stroke. Grip on it that I like. I'm sorry, my golf clubs are in the corner. That's <laughs> right. I figured. I figured as much. <laughs> um, but no, I have. I have that. I used to have all the Newport Scotties. I had like four or five of them. Then I went through a terrible case of the yips. Oh, don't um, it. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> that was in. Uh, that was in high school. But then midway through college, I changed to this. The fatter super shrug grip definitely takes my hands more out of it and I've putted great ever since it's probably the best I've putted um ever um even when I didn't have the 
the Y word. But, yeah, that's what I got. So mine are pretty worn down. I'm probably going to get some this summer for sure. Quinn says I need to wait till fall so the stuff to go on sale. But we'll see. <laughs> <if I> can... <laughs> hey, listen, you, you always, there's nothing wrong with getting a bargain. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's do this. Let's um, maybe kind of have – I want to have you guys maybe kind of speak on maybe what are the, what's the number one thing you see golfers struggle with the most, right? Obviously, you being able to play at, at a pretty high level there. What else, you know, obviously looking now at, you know, post-playing, what are some things that you see golfers struggle with the most? From Just from the box that me and Quentin live in, I would say that's low back pain if we're going to talk about something that's related to what we're pursuing in school. But something that golfers struggle with the most, I would say, is, you know, having their swing meet the looks and expectations of others versus working on, you know, the swing that they have and just making the little tweaks that are necessary to get them where they want to be versus like like a complete overhaul with what they're doing. So, I mean, I'm a very handsy player and that's, that got me, to a great spot. And Quentin knows that I'm currently working on that pretty hard to get the hands much more quieter through impact. So I really didn't change much in my, like through college, as far as the way I did things. And I mean, it was good. I think it depends on what level you're looking to go to, but um, that'd be one, one thing that sticks out for me. Uh, I've got, yeah, I've got two quick things. One, I think, and maybe it's more well-known now than it was kind of when I was in college, but understanding ball flight, like understanding what is contributing to the ball flight. If you're missing it right, is that a face? Is it a path? What exactly is contributing to the shape of the ball flight? If you're hitting it too high, if you're hitting it too low, what does it look like in terms of how you're delivering the club? Uh, And then how can you change that? If you understand just a little bit of ball flight laws of, you know, the path and the face and how that contributes to ball flight, you can do a lot of on course little changes to keep the ball in front of you and score. And the second note was just understanding the difference between practice and play. Um, I was guilty of it. You know, I was trying to, you know, analyze things and, and, and trying to make things look great instead of just, you know, there's tournament mode and there's a practice mode and yeah. kind of differentiating those two is something that I still struggle with to this day. Yeah, that's great. Those are, those are great, great concepts there, guys. All right, so let's do this. Let's do our shotgun round. So we're going to shotgun round. We're just going to ask you a bunch of questions. You, you give us our, your best answer without really thinking much about it. Um, and then we'll kind of move on from there. All right, so uh, favorite golfer, what do you got? Uh, two words, great. Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> I'll take the, Justin Thomas so you can have him. How about that? Well, I was going to throw something out of right field. What about Scott Stallings? Whoa. The guy, the body transformation that he's went through, I just picked up on that a couple months ago, and I was like, yeah, he's, he's now like up there, not T-Dub level. But, you know, <laughs> I mean. oh, how about favorite golf brand? I'm probably going to go – Titleist. Yeah, just overall. Just a good brand. We yeah. both do like uh my spy golf. I don't know if you've yeah. Yeah. them, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Titleist usually has a tendency to uh reign king when we're talking about golf, that's for sure. Yeah. Or right, how about like a favorite drink and snack when 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 playing? You know, do you guys have a preference either when you were playing in the college or how about when you're playing now? Has that changed at all? I like a thick peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> He's shaking his head. We can <laughs> say that. Time. And probably just Gatorade or some electrolyte drink. Yeah. 
Uh, mine was going to be a peanut butter sandwich with water. I still, on if I'm going out and playing, I've always got my peanut butter sandwiches packed. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's ingrained in me, I guess. <laughs> my sandwich is thicker than his, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys uh, prefer, let's go even further. You guys prefer crunchy or smooth peanut butter or creamy? Crunchy. I'm smooth. I'm smooth. All right. All right. Listen, I can go either way. It just kind of depends on the preference there, man. <laughs> All right. What do you guys prefer, par three or par five? I like par five because I got options. Par five for sure. Yeah. How about cart or walk? Walk. Walk. Yeah. I mean, why not, right? All right. How about this? Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? Happy Gilmore. I was going to say Happy Gilmore, too. All our answers are the same. Come on now. <laughs> well, I think, too, like, like I look at that question, I think that, that that question is definitely a generational question, right? Like some of the maybe older guys are uh, we'll kind of talk more about, hey, Caddyshack is the, the reigning king when it comes to golf movies. But, listen, you can't go wrong with Happy Gilmore. That's for sure. All right, how about uh, favorite golf memory for you guys? Mine is – so my grandpa was the one who taught me how to play golf. Took me to tournaments when I was young. He passed away in 2003, and he passed away in uh, December. And I played in a tournament that's late in that summer of the same year he passed away. And thinking back at it, me and my dad thought about this. The last shot that he saw me hit was my hole-in-one. No so, way. Yeah, which was on the last hole of a tournament. So, so yeah, it's, it's probably the my favorite golf memory. That's awesome. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say just kind of reflecting on those, those late evenings with friends, you know, George and I both had a pretty good group of guys that we practiced with day in, day out. And those, those summer nights when the sun's setting and maybe even just bring the car headlights out and just, I just enjoyed the, the practicing with friends really. I mean, listen, the social aspect of golf, even though people think, you know, golf is like a social distancing sport, right? When, especially now in this, this time when we record it and this whole COVID pandemic, but you're right. There's nothing like being able to kind of get with a group of guys and be able to play golf and, and have fun with it. Yeah. Or how about, uh, you know, let's, let's maybe wrap up with this. Maybe but tell me a guy that, or a person that you'd recommend we ask, come on the show. Based on where you are geographically, you may have already asked him, but Kevin Deshaun with the golf DPT. Um, yep. I've talked to him uh, quite a bit. He's helped me out with several stuff. So he's definitely one. I think, um, I think you should get a hold of yeah, it. Kev, Kev, yeah, Kevin and I, um, we already kind of hooked up, and we're going to try and hopefully get on the uh, record uh, a podcast relatively soon here. So good recommendation. What about you, Quentin? I was going to say Kevin as well. I love his stuff on Instagram. I'll default with George and just kind of stick with that as a recommendation. I think he's a great guy. Love, like I said, I love watching his videos. So let's let's wrap up with this, guys. So maybe just speak upon, you know, maybe your experience of – know the whole process of going through high school into college maybe just give us some final thoughts or suggestions for maybe athletes that are listening to this or maybe parents of athletes that are listening to this who maybe want their kid to play in college or if they want to play in college but maybe need a little more guidance as to how best to go about doing that what what are some recommendations or suggestions you guys would have with regards to that yeah so for for the parents my thing is I wouldn't push your kids I would just like instill in them you know hard work and if you put in the work, it'll pay off. And then obviously if you have a bias and you would love them to play golf, create the perfect environment for that and see what happens. I think, especially at a young age, the more you push and the more that that 
kid doesn't want what the parent wants, I think you see a lot of backlash and potential of that kid not pursuing it long term. As far as the players and whether regardless of what age you are, I would say play in as many tournaments as you can. Try to play with people that are better than you because we all rise to those who we play with. Practice with purpose, as we already kind of touched on. And then the biggest thing for me, um, reflecting back with the swing coaches, if you're putting in the time and the work and you're just not having the click or the aha moment with your swing coach, I would encourage you with no due respect to them, like, hey, I need somebody with a different set of eyes that maybe communicates in a different way to try to get the point across. So those are some things that stick out with me uh, for those looking to just for general guidance along their way. Yeah, I'd say uh, speaking more of the athlete who's maybe thinking about some different colleges or I played at the junior college level before uh, a four-year institution after that and just pick somewhere you can play. And you don't, you don't get better at the game just sitting in the background or maybe playing some qualifying rounds, you've got to get in tournaments and you have to be in tournaments in a variety of conditions and, and feel the pressure and just gain some experience by, by playing the game. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. The, the whole mindset when you're playing in a tournament versus just practicing or playing on your own, it's a different beast, right? So if, if people or you know, maybe say junior golfers or maybe the younger golfer wants to play at a higher level, they need to be exposed to those experiences. They need to be exposed to, like you said, those pressures so that they can hopefully tackle them and, and feel a little more confident in, in, in being able to you know, play, play at, it, at that level for, for an extended amount of time. Yeah, and everybody's different. I mean, you have to understand yourself very well. Like, how am I going to respond when I'm under the gun? And do I have a certain shot to get the ball in the fairway? Do I know that my ball striking is just not going to be on? So I need to, I need to just be able to get up and down from the trash can. Like is I think, there, just, is there a high chance that you just pulled <laughs> so far left? <laughs> <laughs> Knowing your own tendencies, like it's just, yeah. it's super valuable. Yeah, that's awesome, guys. <laughs> well, listen, um, this was a, a great episode. Um, if people want to reach out to you, maybe to kind of hear more about what you do or maybe even work with directly with you guys, um, what's the best way that people can reach out to you and contact you? So right now, I would just say through um, Golf Doc Duo Instagram, um, you can message us. Our email's in there. Uh, we'll most likely be having a website coming up here pretty soon. But I, that's the best, best way. We're constantly on there checking it. So um, let us know. I'm more than happy to help you with simple questions or set something up in the long run. Definitely. Well, guys, I, I appreciate you guys carving a little bit of time to kind of come on the show and, and talk shop with us. You know, we really appreciate it. We understand that time is valuable. So we appreciate your time. And thanks so much for listening. And uh, we will catch you guys on the next episode. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do, and then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf. 
Again, MANA is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash painfreegolf and use the promo code PODCAST when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.